What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a revolutionary new daily fantasy game whereby you pick two, three, or four players to go over or under their fantasy point projections, and if you're correct, you win. Pick two or more players from the same sport or league, or go cross leagues for your parlay. Use the promo code 5, that's F-I-V-E, 5, and receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. But first, sign up at prizepicks.com to start winning today. Every sports fan knows that it's not about how you start the season, it's about how you finish. At MyBookie 2020, finishes strong with NFL, college football, and the return of NBA action. Sign up today to receive a halfway deposit match up to $1,000. And while you're at it, ring in the holidays with six days of giveaways. You heard it here first. From December 21st to the 26th, MyBookie's hooking players up with free bets, casino chips, and blackjack tournaments with huge cash prizes. And it's all week long. To get in on the action, it's simple. Sign up, make your first deposit, and enter the promo code 3YARDS, that's the word, 3YARDS, to claim your bonus and start taking advantage of the holiday freebies. Head over to MyBookie to discover this year's batch of fun on-site promotions and win big with six days of giveaways. This holiday season, bet with the best, bet with MyBookie. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. We're on and welcome to Three Yards for Carry. I'm Alfredo Artagas. I'm Clancy is here. Chris Kaufman is here. And this is another, it's getting to become a habit, right? Nine out of the last 11, 10 overall in the season. Another victorious edition of Three Yards for Carry. Although if you were on Twitter on not even Saturday, because it really, it really came around around Sunday, you would have thought they lost the game because the mood was not joyous. Although it was, for the most part, joyous, but some of the media got into it and some of the national media also got into it because anytime that Tuatunga Vailoa has an errant pass, it seems like everybody wants to pile on 
Now, we're not going to talk about that now. Let's talk about the game first because there's going to be plenty of time in the rest of this segment to talk about Tuatunga Bailoa being benched. And let's face it, this was a clear benching. He was not yeah. effective. And they went to the more effective guy in Brian Flores' mind, and he was proven right. But let's talk about the game in general. And I guess uh, I'll go to you first, Simon. What were your feelings on this game? And I'll give my feelings when both of you are done. But what were your feelings overall on this game? Uh, I thought it was an ugly game, uh, generally. Just didn't feel quite like we were ever in it. Felt like, you know, as we were all chatting on WhatsApp, did feel like, I I certainly felt like we weren't, it felt a bit like the Denver game, that we were always behind the numbers a little bit, always behind the... Was behind the sticks, I suppose. It just didn't feel like we ever had quite had the traction. Um, defensively, I, th- I thought the guys played pretty well. Um, it was a really fast moving game as well. It was like it felt like sort of midway through the first quarter, and there was like two minutes to go to, to half time. It was disappointing that on a, na- you know, disappointing on a national stage that we couldn't do some of the things that we'd done in the Arizona game, some of the things we'd done in the Kansas City game, uh, certainly offensively in terms of pushing the ball down the field. And I, I know we're going to get to that. Um, I, th- I thought Coach Flores made the right choice. Uh, we had a fairly uh, passionate discussion before we came on air about some of the things, which will probably won't be nearly as passionate as, as the actual show because we've already done it. Um, but <laughs> I, I thought it was the right choice. Um, I didn't think we were going to win the game had we stayed with two. We'd had three and a half quarters of not being able to do it. And it felt like we were aggressing offensively, actually, and not, not moving forwards. Um, so, you know, hindsight is a beautiful thing. But, uh, you know, I can... I won't reveal what we all said in WhatsApp when um, that decision was made, but one of us was pretty, pretty angry. It wasn't me. It wasn't Alf. <laughs> Happy Christmas, Chris. <laughs> but uh, no, seriously, no. But, um, but yeah, I mean, look, it, it, it's indicative overall of this team, you know, never gives up, plays for each other, you know, and... Uh, I mean, I was nervous when Jason Sanders stepped up to to boot the game winner because, you know, it was such an important kick, but never really in doubt, was it? I mean, no. just a, a phenomenal, you know, a phenomenal comeback. The last five minutes, I mean, the first three and a half quarters were absolute toilet to watch. The last yes. five minutes was some of the greatest, you know, imagine there being an 86-yard touchdown, a 55-odd-yard touchdown, a, a ridiculous pass interference call that set up another would-be touchdown that they decided not to to take leaving 19 seconds, a Hail Mary with his head being pulled off, caught by a guy with hands like Edward Scissorhands, falls out of bounds. We get a 15-yard penalty, puts us in field goal range, and the best kicker in the NFL comes and booms it through, and we win the game in one second to go. It was astonishing. Um, but, yeah, there is you a forgot one part. You forgot one part. The last play um, of the game, they're fumbling it around. They fumble, oh, yeah. We recover it, and we keep our streak alive. Keep the turnovers. streak alive. <laughs> Keep the streak alive. And, you know, for Jedlin made two massive plays. I mean, he looked like Barry Sanders with that spin move. Um, he looks like our best running back. back. Let, no, let's uh, face it. Everybody, everybody, uh, and look, I'm happy for him. Great play. Great play. You know, great job to spin off of that that pile mm. and get down the field. But you let uh, Renfro tackle you. Hunter Renfro tackle you. Uh, you know, yes. let's not get too excited, okay? Well, at, least he's, at least he's fast, like he's quick. Yeah. Like, it's not like letting a kicker get you or, or a yeah. punter or something. I thought Gaskin played. I thought Miles Gaskin played well. I thought Van Ginkle played really well. I thought the corners were outstanding. You know, people would say, Byron, you know, I had people rest me going, Byron Jones is trash. It's like, no. I mean, he got, you know, the the, the long Aguilar touchdown was a clear two-handed push-off in the chest. Shouldn't have counted. And the defensive pass, you know, you had people like Gene Steratore, John Parry, you know, Terry, Terry McCauley. McCauley, 
all on all on social media go was never never pass interference. I mean, the only person that I think have called it pass interference was the guy who threw the flag and Omar Kelly. About the only two people I think who um who thought it was pass <laughs> interference. So I don't think anybody else in the country thought it was a pi. Um, and then people jumping on Eric Rowe, and I thought Eric Rowe had a really good game. He was in perfect position on almost all of those Darren Waller catches, but. History has shown with great tight ends, whether, you know, in sort of a generation ago, whether it was Keith Jackson, whether it was, whether it's Gronkowski, whether it's Travis Kelsey, whether it's now Darren Waller, it is impossible to eliminate great pass catching tight ends. How many times? Yeah, and let me, and and I'm I'm sorry to interrupt you, Simon, but going into the game, the last three games, Darren Waller had 425 Mm. yards receiving, which was an all time NFL record for a Mm. tight end. How often do we get to draft? How often do we get to a draft when you hear about, uh, you know, that this is a tight end eliminator? It was Isaiah Simmons last year, a safety or a linebacker who can cover tight end. Well, it's impossible. You know, Eric Rose had a great – in fact, Eric Rose had two really good seasons for the Dolphins. You know, he came with an injury. Uh, he, I think he's missed one game with a concussion. He's been superb. I thought he was in perfect position on almost all of those catches. Sometimes you just got to hold your hands up and say – you know, these guys are special in what they do. And playing defensive back generally is ridiculously difficult because you have no idea where somebody's going to run and they're doing it at full speed. You know, to cover a guy like Darren Waller and be in perfect position and the geezer still make the catches, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I don't think... I just think social media is such a terrible barometer of everything that's happening anyway. But, you know, I've got, I got so many messages going, Roe is trash, he needs to be cut. It's like, do, do you watch any games? Do you understand how football works? Um but yeah, I mean, it's great to get another win in the column. Some amazing results yesterday that really played in our favour, whether you look at the Texans or up to the third overall pick, which is just insanity. I mean, I messaged earlier about, isn't it bad that we now have a higher pick in the 2021 draft than we did in the 2020 draft when we were pretty much, you know, managing the decline to try and get the, the first managing overall the pick. It's absolutely astonishing. So yeah, I mean, just an amazing win. Hats off to B-Flow for having balls of steel. Um, yeah, it was um, it wasn't fun to watch, but we got the job done. Yeah, Chris, I thought Eric Rowe. I mean, let's give him the L. I mean, that's uh, yeah. I mean, overall, yeah. let's give him the. But you know, <laughs> yeah. he's not, he's not a trash player. You know, no, he's not. Kind of the point. That doesn't make him. That doesn't make him a trash player. But you know, let's let's hand him the L on that one. Uh, yeah, and they know. went and they and and not to get too much into the weeds, but they went absolutely nuclear after he caught that last one for 19 yards. Mm-hmm. They they decided, you know what, Bobby? Uh, every time he lines up YI, so we're just doubling him, and they doubled him the rest of the game. And yeah, essentially mean, erased them by doing that's that. the but that's but that's the L. I mean, you you forced the defensive coaches to just um, you know you you can't you can't hack it on this guy anymore. And and give Darren Waller immense credit. He was making incredible plays. The the sort of like you draft Kyle Pitts to because you hope that he's going to make the sort of plays that Darren Waller was making <laughs> against the Dolphins like with regularity um every time every time the ball was thrown at the damn guy um so give him credit but um but yeah that that was an L um that you know he was not the tight end you know cut shut down guy certainly that night um and he did a good job on George Kittle earlier in the year and and you know had tough time with Travis Kelsey, but everybody's going to have a tough time with Travis Kelsey. Um, but Darren Waller, I mean, man, wow. Um, now as for the rest of the stuff, I mean, the, one of the things that 
first off, I was this a more exciting finish than the um than the New England finish that you know the the miracle play um I well maybe. the miracle in Miami let's hand it to that game that game had Tom Brady at its finest and yeah and uh, Ryan Tannehill at his finest and you had uh, that huge play at the end and Devontae Parker making play that game had much more drama it was a much better played game I, yeah in, well in a better a better maybe a better for the first you know 55 minutes but I mean the finish yeah. I mean we're talking about the the miracle finish versus that miracle that you know this was playoffs on the line we lose this yeah. game I mean we're just you know, forgetting about it. Right. I mean, this, okay. On the next year, um, you know, start talking about the draft, start talking about Panay soul and, uh, and that number three pick or something like that. Um, that was, this was, this was an, a truly incredible finish. I'm like this for, for the dolphins, other, you know, other than that Miami miracle and, and this might top it. I mean, I think, you know, personally, I think John Gruden made a mistake. Um, I think John Gruden made a mistake with the, uh, the, you know, not going for the touchdown and going, I know hindsight is 2020, but you know, if you get the touchdown, then the worst thing that can happen is, is Miami marches down the field in like 55 seconds with no timeouts, 75 yards, gets a touchdown, gets a two point conversion and ties the game and you go into overtime. That's, that's the worst that could have happened. Instead, they created a situation where the worst that could have happened is they actually lose. Actually, two worst cases that could have happened because our kicker had just missed an extra point. I mean, and, and now they're trusting him to kick a chippy, you know, for the win or loss, because if they missed the kick, they would have lost. Um, and, then, and then on top of that, they're giving Miami about 20 seconds for two plays for 35 yards that could get them in position for Jason Sanders, who's possibly the best kicker in the league, you know, who makes 55 yarders look like 45 yarders for the rest, you know, for everybody else. Um, I thought that was the wrong choice of John Gruden. He created a scenario where they could lose instead of just creating a scenario where at worst they could, they could go into overtime. Um, but that's just my opinion, but this was, this was a, fen- a phenomenal finish um, to a really kind of depressing game before the game i said to you guys you know i was like there's no excuses if miami loses this game this would be the most embarrassing loss of the season and i meant that everything was on the line for the dolphins this is a this is a really i mean look at the raiders defense and how many people they were missing i mean they were missing linebackers they were missing safeties they were missing cleveland farrell um they were missing their secondary coach uh, they were they were understaffed and they did a fantastic job against us, uh, despite being really really understaffed. They deserved to, they deserve a lot of credit for that. But Miami should have no excuses here. This was this is and I'm not usually go, going to say this about Miami because we've been bragging about the coaching for the entire year. But this looked like a poor coaching job. Mm-hmm. um again for the miami dolphins and and i kind of wonder if that was on both sides of the ball uh, and i i hate to criticize the defense because they're so great and we know that but um but still i mean you know clearly they made some decisions that ended up being costly like the eric Rowe on darren waller thing which ended up being a completely you know a, a source of consistent concept a success for the oakland raiders um you know, instead of, instead of covering most, most times he covered Darren Waller. It's not, it's not just straight double teams, nor is it just one guy who's supposed to erase them. It's, it's 
combination coverage it's sometimes zone it's you know there's there's things that you can do um but miami decided to stick with that that idea until finally they had to capitulate and um and so i think that ends up being a poor coaching choice i think that there were poor coaching choices on offense i know you know in the whatsapp chat like simon you were talking about it constantly that you know that was very poor by chan gailey there that one this is not this is not a very strongly called game so far, you know, that, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I think moaning, everybody noticed that, huh? Moaning. You mean? Yeah. Moaning. Yeah. 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 And, I mean, I th- and I think everybody <laughs> was noticing that. I mean, and, and so I think that this was, this, it's sort of, this is a reality check for what happens to this team when they don't have the strong coaching advantage that they usually have to me. Like usually a lot of these games we go in there and, you know, our coaches, our coaches did the best job on pregame prep. Our coaches did the best job, you know, instilling discipline in the guys and not Mm -hmm. causing um, and not, and, you know, having a team that doesn't shoot themselves in the foot and that sort of thing. Um, When we don't go into a, into a, a game and have that advantage, then, you know, maybe this is, maybe this is how good the personnel is um you know we we just come up short against a team that's as injured um and beleaguered as the as the las vegas raiders yeah i'll 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 disagree in in one respect i think what gruden was trying to accomplish and he kind of mentioned it at the end if he gets the touchdown there's 55 seconds left he has to go for two to be to go up seven because remember they missed the extra point because they were they were down one at that point it was 23 22 Oh, okay. So, so he was afraid that he had to go for two just to go up seven. So he was he afraid. Would to, he would have had to go for two. You're right. Okay. So he was afraid yeah. to, to give 55 seconds to Fitzpatrick and a touchdown to win. He thought that if he if he could kill as much clock as possible, he could back him up 19 seconds, force him to get 50 yards in 19 seconds. They got more than that. Yeah, and, you're right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. I understand his reasoning. It just came, you know, it just came out wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. Personally, man, I always take touchdowns unless it's a situation where, you know, I can actually kill the entire clock and not have to fade anything. Mm-hmm. You know, personally, I do agree with you in the macro sense. I always take a touchdown. If I know I'm giving you the ball back, I'll take the touchdown. I'll take the touchdown. Yeah, you're right. They would they would have had to make that two-point conversion, I guess. And, you know, that's, and that's a fair that's a fair. Point. And what's interesting is that he brought up that, okay, you know, we were going to give Fitz, Fitzpatrick the ball with 55 seconds left. We gave it to Mahomes with 61 seconds left, and he got a touchdown to beat us. So yeah. we didn't want to let Fitzpatrick Mahomes us, which is a very interesting way to look at Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> perfect perspective there. <laughs> yes, but I completely agree with you in one thing, and, and I said it today that I got the sense, and which is interesting that everybody today, including a Raider friend of mine who called me and said, Man, they got to pay Gruden whatever they owe him and get him the hell out of here because he's terrible. And I'm like, dude, you didn't understand what you were watching. If that's the takeaway that you got from that game, and he's like, nah, you know, we sh- we should be in contention for the playoffs, and they've blown all these games. And what I saw was a really well coached team, in my yeah. opinion. I they did John- not make they did not shoot themselves in the foot all game long. No, really, I thought it, that until until that final. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but I what I saw was John Gruden, Rob Marinelli have a better plan for Miami than Miami had for John Gruden and Rod Marinelli. Mm-hmm. 
You know, I've, I I really thought so. And I thought Derek Carr played absolutely great. And not, not, I'm not going to say, okay, you know, that, that was one of the better performances of the year. I'm saying he played a really good defense with, come on, Nelson Aguilar, Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs, I understand, is a nice player. But, you know, going up against Xavier Howard, he got what he was going to get. Zero catches. On well, and evidently the best tight end that's ever lived. So. Yes. And well, uh, Derek Waller's a top two or three guy. I guess Kittle and, and Kelsey are better. But come on, that guy is really, really good. Josh Jacobs was limited. I told you before, before the game that, you know, he had that knee issue. He's had it for three weeks. I don't know if it hurt him because, you know, he had some runs, but he wasn't really that effective. 69 yards on 15 carries. But I felt that they kind of outcoached our coaches. It was the first time in a long time this year. I felt they undressed our coaches week one, and that's Bill Belichick and company and Josh McDaniels. Since then, really, when have I looked around and said, man, those coaches on the other sideline really made our guys look like clowns? Well, this was one of those instances. I felt like they were kind of outcoached. I thought it happened in the Broncos game as well. Okay, uh, I'll give you that. Especially uh, Vic Fangio and his defense was, mm-hmm. you know, pretty solid. And- Admitted. I mean, that's not that's not me talking like I'm a football expert or something like that. And Chan Gailey in his press conference set it straight up. You know, they brought things on defense we didn't we didn't plan for, we didn't prepare to for. Um, and he took, you know, he took he took the credit, no, he took the the blame for it. And um, and said that was that was my fault. And you know, in that same press conference, he sort of revealed for I guess the second time that when he retired, he threw away all his notes, and now he's relying on all the assistant coaches around him to try and tell him what they expect, what they expect each defensive you know coach that they face to to throw at them because he doesn't know. And um, and I think that that you know that I I thought that was an astonishing revelation to just go completely unnoticed by the um by the media uh during the press availability um but you know that's personally uh and and it showed it showed against the broncos i think it showed against the vegas raiders all right simon now let's get to the matter at hand at least that's what twitter wants to talk about and uh this morning uh I won't do what, what they do. You know, I'm not going to call him sport, a sports writer from a local newspaper uh, had a column today. I'll say it's Barry Jackson from the Miami Herald. He quoted Mike Lombardi and Mike Lombardi, you know, forget about the, those quotes because he quoted Mike Lombardi and Mike Tannenbaum of all people. But uh, Mike Lombardi essentially went on the Pat McAfee show and took a giant dump on good old Tuatunga Vailoa. And I don't understand it. I don't understand, you know, the hatred that this kid got after that game and has been getting every time he has a misstep. But I guess let's get into it. What did you make of his game, Simon? Because I don't think any any of us three are like we're over the moon with his game, but I don't think we were as, you know, as hopeless as Mike Lombardi was making it sound. Or a season's oh, performance. It's not we're not over the moon yeah. over the full season's performance either. Right. Yeah, I don't think he played very well. Um, and I think we have to be very careful. The three of us have been on the record um, for three years before he was drafted about how good we thought he was going to be. We have to be careful that we are objective and honest. I thought he was below average, frankly. Um, it made me a little bit nervous. It made me a little bit worried. Uh, his inability to do what he's done so successfully 
certainly Alabama, but also at the Dolphins. You know, you look at, I mean, I watched, there's a couple of throws of his that he's had as a pro that I watch back over and over again and think, Christ, that's an astonishing throw that you just made. There's one against the Chiefs, especially, I think to Matt Collins, but it might be to Lynn Bowden that you just think, that, what Bowden. a throw that is. Bowden, yeah, Bowden. you know the one I mean. Fourth yeah. quarter, over yeah. the top of three defenders yeah. in front. Yes. I mean, <laughs> aston- astonishing throw. Um, he looked nervous. He looked small. Um, he just looked frightened to, to throw the ball down the field. Now, um, I think we probably could all agree that there is a probably a mandate that his job is not to turn the ball over. You know, keep us in keep us in the game. The defense will keep us in the game. You just need to make enough plays. Um, and I suspect certainly in that game that was probably drilled in. Um, but it was probably drilled in too far. He's got to learn to take some risks with the football a little bit more. Um, you know, is it, I mean, I've had people going, you know, the Dolphins have got a top three pick. They're going to draft Justin Fields or Zach Wilson. I've seen people that I respect on social media saying we've got to draft another quarterback in the first, one of those first two. Pete, was it Pete Prisco? I think tweeted about how the Dolphins are unhappy now that they've, they've absolutely drafted the wrong guy. Maybe they have, maybe they have, you know, Justin Herbert looks sensational. You know, the, we, we argue that quarterback wins is not a relevant statistic and they're what, six and nine. Um, but he has, he has been sensational, generally. You know, he's been made to look foolish a couple of times, just as two has been made to look foolish a couple of times. He looked foolish against the Broncos. He looked pretty foolish against the Raiders on Saturday night. Uh, and I think he was rightfully taken out of the game. I don't think the Dolphins would have won the game if Brian Flores hadn't made the decision he made. Um, the flip side to that is that Fitz is a 72-year-old 59-year NFL veteran who has pretty much seen every defense that's been thrown at him and seen every coverage that's been thrown at him. And it's a risk taker by the very nature. You know, Fitz Magic, the 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 nom de guerre, <laughs> comes because he's able to do those crazy things. You know, yes. he takes risks. He, he he slings guns. That's his that's his oeuvre. It always has been. You know, at the moment, it's not going to be uh, a kid in his eighth start. That's you know, in a, in a 16 13 ball game on the road, they have to win. There is no point in him coming out and taking charge. You know, he he lives a charmed life. You know, he must have one of those lucky feathers or lucky horseshoes in his in his back pocket because you know, a bit like Patrick Mahomes, there's been a few drop picks and a few you know, possible interceptions that that should have been that haven't been this season. But I, I didn't think he played very well, and I thought he was rightfully taken out of the game. Am I worried? I'm not worried. I'm am I concerned? A little bit, maybe. But, you know, what's the bigger picture? I mean, the bigger picture is not Miami are taking a quarterback in the first three rounds. Miami are not taking a quarterback at pick number three. Miami have got their quarterback. I've seen enough throws from him this season to know that we're on the right track. This shit is going to take time. You know, it's... And for all the people saying... And I totally get the argument that it was... You know, he had, what, 96 yards, 3.6 yards a pop with Matt Collins, Lynn Bowden, Malcolm Perry, Adam mm-hmm. Shaheen, uh, broken-shouldered Mike Gesicki, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then Ryan Fitzpatrick comes in and has 189 yards in about 22 seconds with the same guys. <laughs> I totally get that. I, I, and it's a very valid like, argument. That, that's an awful visual, isn't it, <laughs> Simon? But it's true. And I, to- and I totally get people's argument. He has got to be better. He knows he's got to be better. He's not going to be put off by the fact that he's been withdrawn from the game. He wasn't against Denver because he turned around and took turned in two really good performances um and i think you know peter king said it best today that i don't think quarterback should ever be 
these kind of diamonds that should not be removed from the ring, as it were, um, because just because they're quarterbacks. If a coach doesn't think they're good enough to win the game in that moment, then much like you would do with a cornerback or who's being toasted or a wide receiver who's had three drops or a tight end who can't get open, you replace that person and hope that the guy coming in behind can spark you to win the game. And that's what happened. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think there's there's nothing to panic about. You know, if this happens over and over again, I would be concerned. But it patently hasn't happened over again, over and over again. And the bottom line is the Dolphins were three and three with Ryan Fitzpatrick. They're six and two with two as a starter. He's played efficient, mistake-free football. They've won games. They're a win away or a defeat by the Browns away from getting into the playoffs. And then who knows what happens. Are they going to win the Super Bowl with Tua this year? Almost certainly not. Are they going to win it with him in the future? If he continues to develop and is the mindset and has the it factor that we all know he has, then I can't see anything but that. But, you know, he wasn't very good on Saturday night. And it's okay to say that. Yeah, and it's... Uh, and. I understand everything as far as, you know, okay, he got benched and I, and I heard the, the talk. Well, you know, he's been benched, you know, who else was benched? Well, I'll give you one name. Drew Brees was benched as a second year player. Okay. By Marty Schottenheimer. So it has happened before. It's not, you know, it's not, this is not a special case with Tuatunga Wailoa. And like you said, I saw that Cardinals game. Okay. Yeah. I saw the second half. Go and look at the first season of Peyton Manning. Go and look at the first season of Josh Allen. Go and look mm-hmm. at the, there's lots of quarterbacks who've really struggled and had you know huge number of turn. He's not turned the ball over. He's been really efficient. Has he made spectacular throw after? Spe- has he made Justin Herbert throw after? Just- no, he hasn't. He doesn't need to at the moment because the Dolphins are a game away from the playoffs, relying on the defense, being efficient on offense, and not turning it over and playing great special teams and brilliantly coached. Mm-hmm. If we wanted oh. to be Justin Herbert, I think he probably can be. But at the moment, he hasn't got Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler you know, um, Hunter Henry, all those guys to throw to. So let's be kind of realistic. But he wasn't very good. And it's all right. As I just said, it's all right to say that. But here's the thing. Here's the thing that's different about those situations, you know, from all those other rookies and and that we're talking about in NFL history and versus the Miami Dolphins. Miami has a playoff team. And they're they're in must-win situations every game because they're a playoff-caliber team. And so they're faced with this constant situation where, okay, you know, maybe your game prep wasn't that good and you're having a tough time uh, getting the rookie to make some in-game adjustments based on how defensive coaches are coaching the game um, because he doesn't have a wealth of experience to draw on. And so it's really hard to, uh, to battle your way out of check with a guy that, you know, that, that doesn't, that you can't say, you know, Oh, you know, Remember, this is this is how he's attacking you, and he just knows what you're talking about. Um, so it it's it's one thing about that, but uh, but these other rookies, I mean, they get to prioritize the quarterback and the quarterback's development because they had bad teams, you know. And so you're talking about like you know Joe Burrow in Cincinnati or uh, or Justin Herbert in um, Los Angeles with the Chargers. I mean, if they're not winning the game, they're not winning the game. They don't have a good team. And they prioritize the quarterback and his development. Uh, you know, Herbert can go out there and have a stinker against the Patriots. It doesn't matter. Um, so I think that this team, this team in this situation, this is why we give Brian Flores the credit that we give him, which is he's got really hard decisions to make during these games. And he's made them. And, uh, and I think that's a credit to him. Now, why did I think that, uh, Tua should not have necessarily been benched in the fourth because I want the alternative. 
I want the alternative, which is for Chan Gailey to actually call the game like he does with Ryan Fitzpatrick. And there are two different playbooks. This isn't even arguable anymore, in, in, in my opinion. Um, I think that there's definitely a different uh, difference and a discrete set of differences that you can look at and isolate about the way the games are called. Um, and what I would like to see, what we haven't really seen. Well, let me backtrack. We have actually seen it. We've seen Tua in the fourth quarter um, against, uh, say, the, the Arizona Cardinals. Or even, uh, or even late in the game against the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, Simon, you're talking about that brilliant throw he made to uh, to Lynn Bowden against the Chiefs. You know, there was also another one to Mike Gesicki in that game, and there there's some there's some moments in that game. There's um there's been some uh, some good you know runs and make you miss moments against the Patriots and stuff like that. We've seen him have composure in the in the comeback situations as well as the fourth quarter situations um, in tight games. We haven't seen it tried against the Denver Broncos and the um, the Las Vegas Raiders because I don't think that they just didn't want to keep them in there and open it up and have them go empty backfield and no huddle and and just really and just really spread it out and then and sling it and and mm-hmm. that's what I want to see. I hey, if he can't do it, I wouldn't be surprised. He's a fucking rookie. I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, but I want to see it. I want to see whether he can or not. And they're not letting, they're not really letting that happen right now. And I think that that's, um, that's the thing that, that kind of baffles me sometimes, because if I think about the strengths of Tua and what he's good at, you know, there's a reason he has over a hundred quarterback rating this year when he goes empty backfield. Okay. He, he puts the ball in the receiver's hands and an open receiver's hands, like 90% of the time from empty. Okay. Uh, there's a reason for that. There's a reason he was, you know, and to paraphrase Trent Dilfer, one of the best or the best four verts quarterback to ever come out of the college game. Okay. You spread him out and you let him make quick decisions. That's what he's good at. That's what you, you speed him up, you know, let him see the defense from the snap. Stop, you know, stop delaying him with all these play fakes and taking his eyes down and, and stuff like that. You know, spread it out, hurry it up, you know, and go empty, go, you know, go four wide, go five wide at times and, and see what he can do. See what he can do when the defense knows it's a pass, but it doesn't matter. And what he has done, what he has done, and this is what we know because it's on the film is play really well. When you allow him to go, no huddle, when you allow him to go uh, empty backfield, but in these games, they, you know, the Broncos game as well as the uh, Vegas game, and and I'm not I'm not saying that they made the wrong decision. I'm saying we don't know what he would have done, and I don't think we should pretend that we do know what he would have done uh, had they had they opened it up and stuck with him in those uh, in those games because it really could have gone it could have gone it could have gone tits up. I mean, it could have gone it could have gone really really bad. I mean, you open it up and he's trying to make a comeback against the Broncos or the Raiders and he just starts throwing picks that could happen easily. He's a rookie, right? We don't know. We don't know that. And I would, I would like to find that out. Maybe not with the playoffs and, you know, on the line. And and maybe that's why uh, Brian Flores is much better than me at making these decisions. But, um, but I would like to find that out. Yeah. And the right call in the, in the right moment, given the, given the scenario, given the situation, you know. 
Absolutely. I absolutely agree. Uh, although I will say this. I, I, I looked over all the all 22. Mike Gusecki is absolutely unguardable on that drive route that, that Fitzpatrick hit on. Remember across the middle that he got like 19 yards on? It was one of the first plays that they got positive yardage when he came in. Why don't they call any of that stuff for, for Tua? And I saw it in the All-22. Did, didn't Tua have that throw? And it almost got picked off. He underthrew him. And he had... It, it, no, he it, had was a, it was a square in to, to Isaiah Ford. And he rolled a little bit. And he, it, sure enough, it almost got picked. But... No, he had a, he had a throw to Gasicki that was that underthrown was, and almost picked off. Yeah, that was on, on the little flag. That little flag that, that Gasicki likes to run. That, that bench route. That yeah, like he put, put, yeah, put it over Gasicki's head. It was, head a, it was a play action. Game. It was a play action pass. It was it was a play action. I'm, if I'm remembering the play right, it was a play action. Turn your back to the defense, you know, get out and and get it to the Gasicki. And honestly, he wasn't very open either. No, but you know, I, there was there was a slight change, and you know, the splits were a little wider. There was more space to work with. Of course, it was desperation time, and. They brought in Fitzpatrick and they said, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go three by one. We're going to go, you know, two by two. And we're just going to push the ball down the field. And, you know, it was a change. But, you know, I'm not going to make excuses for, for Tua Tungvalu. He's running the entire playbook. They gave him the entire playbook to run. And he just wasn't effective. I, I, I think Jeff Schwartz made an interesting point as well in that, you know, he said, I've seen this sort of thing before where the coaches have seen it in practice and they just don't trust him. He's been there and done it, and I, you know I, I think we kind of have to sometimes stop making excuses. I just don't think he was very good. It doesn't mean to say he's not going to go to Buffalo and rip it up. It doesn't mean to say he's going to turn into a Super Bowl winning quarterback because I think he's got that in him. But you know, got some interesting news. Um, Zion Tupelo Fatui, the Washington edge rusher, is returning to college. Just been announced, which is interesting because I thought he'd be a very high pick and right in the Dolphins' wheelhouse guy that we were all talking about in the WhatsApp group the other day. Yeah, he is a sophomore though, isn't he? he yeah, he's at well. He, yeah, he played. In, he, he sort of benefited from some sort of bendy rules, and oh, okay. I think he played more games than he was supposed to, but that would have protected his red shirt. But apparently, it was sort of a funky kind of freshman thing. Did he play enough games to become a to, to save his red shirt or whatever? So uh, the official website actually has him listed as a junior, but most everywhere else says he's a red shirt sophomore. So it's probably just one for the sports information director at Washington, although he's going back, so nobody really cares. So. Um, but he would very much have been in the Dolphins' wheelhouse come draft time. Aiden Hutchinson, another, um, the Michigan defensive end, announced earlier on he was going back as well, 275-pounder, um, who, again, might have fitted, fit, fitted, fitted into that uh, rotation. Here's a just a break. I want to break into this just real quick because it just came out like uh, a minute ago, and the Dolphins have kind of – for the third, according to Barry Jackson uh, of the Miami Herald, the um, the savvy Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald, not not random writer of an actual outfit. Um, he said for the third time this year, the Dolphins have summoned Jake Rudock to begin the process <laughs> to being in the process of five COVID tests over five days. The team is not obligated to disclose if there's an injury to a or Fitzpatrick until Wednesday. And, and I kind of, I, I do actually wonder here, why is he in, why is he in town? And, mm-hmm. you know, how hard, how hard was that yank on the face mask to Fitzpatrick? <laughs> um, uh, you know, or, or is, is to a banged up, you know, which he, 
he has a tendency to get. We've talked about it since the most discouraging thing about him, I think. Um, it's interesting. Yeah, they've done that three times. And for whatever reason, they keep sending Jake Rudock home. <laughs> I know they've done <laughs> Your services they are not needed. Yeah, they've done that three times. He must have had 15 COVID tests already. You know, I'm pretty sure at some point, you know, he must really need the job. Because every time he comes here and he has to take another COVID test and they tell you, uh, you know what? We thought we might have needed you, but now nah, go away. Go away. We don't need you anymore. <laughs> you know, we just so, need we just need some more brain scrapes from you. Yeah. What was interesting was after the game, Brian Forbes was asked, you know, OK, you left this guy home. You left that guy home. And he said, no, no, that guy was activated and that guy was inactive. So it seems like they might have played the Raiders game with one less roster spot, which is all kinds of interesting. You know, so, hmm. you know, and let me give some credit here because I gave very little credit on on the three yards per carry account. Isaiah Ford, I thought, played a really nice game. There was stuff that they could have gotten to with him. But, you know, Tua just didn't have time or it was just bad luck. Like they called a couple of uh, they called a couple of max protects where they had these three man routes. And Isaiah Ford was beating. I guess Trayvon Mullen is just not a good NFL player. He's just not good. And Isaiah Ford was just beating um, on deep square ends time in and time again. But three-man rushes, four-man rushes were and, – and at one time, Dolphins had seven guys in to block on Max Protect, and the Raiders had a five-man pressure, and it got to Tua just as Isaiah Ford was popping wide open on the square end against Trayvon Mullen. So big kudos to Isaiah Ford. He should – he should stick. He should he should get some snaps here coming up against Buffalo because I thought he played really, really well. All right, Simon, you wanted to get to some things Again. on on the draft. Although I, I just heard Chris. So I guess Chris has a point. I I'm just I'm just bitching again. I'm just again again I would just I would love the I would love to see them spread things out a little wider, a little wider splits not have everything converge on an offensive line that is clearly taking their lumps and going through their growing pains. They have three rookies on there at, at some of the time they had two rookies there, I think on uh, against the Raiders. Uh, you know, when you condense the action and, and focus it all right there on the offensive line with those guys, you know, with some weak links in there, Eric flowers, just coming back from injury, maybe a little too soon because Solomon Kindley yes. is out. Um, you know, I, you're focusing everything in there and, and I understand you're like, Oh, we, we need max protect. We need to get more bodies in there to block, but what you're doing and what you're doing with the play fakes and the play action is you're really condensing the action into an area where you have problems. And, and so I wonder, I wonder if they shouldn't just, they shouldn't spread things out a little wider, mm-hmm. you know, spread the action out a little wider, just the old, the, what uh what the 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 red the raiders uh the air raid principles you know spread mm-hmm. things out make things uh make things a little bit um i guess more handleable for the quarterback and let them make quick decisions I, I i keep wondering about that because i you know the when you condense it to the to the and that's what they do with the, and you know i'm not i'm not saying something that's like oh we we would never because that's what they do when ryan fitzpatrick is in the game but you know, I would I would like to see the same thing uh, tried at least with Tua yeah. Tagovailoa more often than it is anyway. Yeah, these max protect uh, three man routes they just haven't had a lot of luck with them. It's just you know it's just bad luck. And they called a couple mm-hmm. of you know very aggressive play calls for Tua, and 
just so happens those are the plays where, you know, the whole offensive line decided, you know what, we're not blocking anybody on this particular play. And, you know, got in on Tua. When you have five men out on the pass route and, you know, Ted Karras gets beaten, beaten inside by Mo Hurst, who's a hell of a player. Every time I watch that guy, he's, he's making plays all over the place. So, yeah, it was oh, a asking? lot of it is bad luck. But, man, get rid of those three-man routes and max protect. It's, it, it just hasn't worked. It hasn't worked with Tua. You know, I don't, I don't have any info on if it's worked with Fitzpatrick in those first six, six games. I'm sure it did because, as somebody told me today, Fitzpatrick was as good as Patrick Mahomes after six games. I looked it up, and he wasn't, okay? Patrick Mahomes had 15 <laughs> touchdowns to you one You had to look that up? <laughs> yeah, no, I wanted to see how, how off this guy was. And sure enough, it was 15 to one touchdown interception ratio, three touchdown runs, one fumble, of course undefeated. And Fitzpatrick was three and three with 10 and seven with two touchdowns and two fumbles. So yeah, no, not, not close. And, and the quarterback rating was about 20 points off. So no, not close, but Simon, you want to talk about the, the draft and it's worth talking about because I, yeah. I, I draft pick pretty soon. We're going to have, we're going to have no decision to make. We're just going to take Trevor Lawrence number one overall. Mm-hmm. If so we keep going picks- in the direction we're going. Currently, we pick third. That's the highest we can get. Uh, the lowest we can get to is ninth. We can't work it out yet, obviously, because of the results, but also strength to schedule in terms of how some of those other results play out. But as it stands, I think if Houston lose, uh, we are third, although we could go to fourth if Atlanta lose to Tampa. Uh, it would depend on strength of schedule. But, you know, all things being equal, it could be third or fourth, which would be pretty amazing. Third would be great. And on that third. front, Bruce Arians is the first to to get out in front of this, and he says they're playing to win. They're playing like it's a playoff game. So bye-bye Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, although, I mean, the Falcons were a, a, a coup field goal miss away from taking the Chiefs to uh, overtime on the road. So, you know, they played a good game. So we shall see. So that Atlanta team aren't, aren't a bad side. Um but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But it just throws up an awful lot of fascinating possibilities because if you're, you know, obviously the Jaguars are taking Trevor Lawrence at one, what do the Jets do at two? Do they take a quarterback? If so, obviously Carl Wilson feels like he's moved up maybe above Justin Fields, who's really struggled in big games this season against Northwest. You just call Indiana. him Kyle Wilson again? I've called him <laughs> Kyle again, Zach Wilson. <laughs> Fucking hell, that's terrible. Um Kyle Wilson, uh, obviously Justin Fields struggled against Northwestern Indiana, huge game coming up um, in the next few days against Clemson, obviously. Uh, maybe you can right some of those wrongs, but the internal clock that's been an issue for me for certainly last year has, has really reared its ugly head this year. Um, so the Dolphins sit, let's say they sit at three. What happens? You know, Does the draft start at three with teams wanting to move up, maybe to get Fields, maybe to get Trey Lance, that feels a bit early. Obviously, Cincinnati, for example, would love Penny Sewell. What would the Dolphins do? You know, I had lots of people saying, take Penny Sewell, take Penny Sewell. Do you trade down? Do you take Sewell and kick Austin Jackson to the right side? I had a discussion with a few people saying, you know, it's not as easy as that, you know, in terms of left side, right side. And I've spoken to a couple of offensive line assistant coaches over the years who said, you know, it's not as easy as just going, yeah, don't worry, he can go and play on the right side. You know, everything that you do, especially if you've been a left tackle for most of your career, you do with a certain, you know, you use a certain hand first, you kick back with a certain leg first, you, your, your kick side is done with a certain leg and you change that over completely when you play on the right side. And I know that sounds easy to, to do, but the muscle memory and all those things, you have to sort of retrain your body, your mind to, to play on the right side. 
uh, and it's very different. Your your responsibilities are different. But you know, and Sewell, for for those of you who've watched a lot of Penny Sewell, he could be an outstanding left guard as well. I mean, he's an absolute destroyer. He could be a Quentin. Nelson could be whatever he wants. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, so you know, it throws up a fascinating conundrum for the Dolphins. You know, take Sewell. Micah Parsons is kicking around. Well, I guess we're Chase, helped there, right? Devonta Smith. So that again. I think we're helped there because the Jets got Beckton. Beckton is is headed mm-hmm. for a bunch of Pro Bowls. Mm-hmm. Mackay yeah, really good. Yeah. He's really good, by the way. He I, is really good. He, he is. I suppose with Mackay is that he you know played more than half of his career at Louisville uh, as a right tackle. Mm-hmm. So you know you could. But easily... they don't have they don't have a right hander or sorry a left hander. To like, you know, make them wonder about that whole, you know, it's we've we've talked about that. Do you want your best guy at the right tackle or left tackle? Like they don't have that that going on, nor are they going to get it if they get a quarterback this year or whatever they do. So I, I mean, if if Mackay Becton is just phenomenal as he has been or been really good, you just keep him. You just keep him at left Ooh. tackle. That's that's the position, right? I mean, that's the uh, that's what you want to you want to capitalize on. Although, you know, we were talking about, you know, us trying to fleece somebody, but it's kind of obvious who can fleece somebody, and that's the Jets. They hold all the cards, really. Like, they could get a haul for that second pick, right? Sure. Absolutely. You know, even from Cincinnati. Like, you know, if if you listen to Cincinnati podcasters, beat guys, fans, like, you know, there's only one name they keep talking about, and it's Penny Soul. So, Mm, true. So, you know, it's it's like, you know, it's it's like us with Tua, you know, a, a year ago. Also, also, Dolphins fans have got it into their heads that Miami needs a linebacker. They have to have a linebacker. Have to, you know. Yeah. And it goes back to the sort of Jerome Baker thing, you know. Mm-hmm. But the linebacker, I mean, our linebackers are playing pretty well. You know, Baker's seven sacks, 100 tackles. Carvin Noy's playing really well. Alandon Roberts's run fits, you know, when he's playing, he's, he's done well. Although although uh, his I'm body not, has has completely fallen yeah. apart this year. Well, yeah. He just but plays I'm too not, fast for his own body. Yeah. He blows himself up. <laughs> yes. I don't know. I mean, it's, I, it's fascinating. If, if, I, you know. I, I get you. I get you on that. I do think if overall, I mean, I want to talk about the number three overall pick because I think it's more fun to talk about the number three overall pick than to talk about, like, say, the number six overall pick. Um and you know we're all more fascinated with the idea uh, of well, we sh- what we should be fascinated by, um, by is the idea of getting essentially the best non-quarterback prospect in the draft. Yeah, you know whoever that is, and we're, we still have to decide who that is. I'm not I'm not telling you who that is, um, and I think that that's pretty goddamn cool when we're also talking about making the playoffs. So um, you know that that just just have a little bit, have a little bit of, uh, you know, appreciation for where the dolphins are right now. And if, if overall, if Simon, if we're, we're sitting here looking at, is it going to be Penny soul? Is it going to be Micah Parsons? Is it going to be Jamar chase? Or is it going to be Devonta Smith? You know, if that's, if that's what it ends up being, you know, those four guys at, at the number three overall, or, you know, whatever, if it's number four, whatever, uh, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's a pretty good choice. Isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, you're, you're pretty lucky to be, you take that at the start of the season, right? You'd say, "Look, you're going to have the opportunity to draft Penny Sewell, Jamar Chase, Micah Parsons, or or Devo- um, Devonta Smith." Yeah, I mean, exactly, yeah. and make the playoffs. You know, that's that's pretty that's pretty awesome. So, how, let's appreciate that. Now, that said, um, you know, when I watch Penny Sewell, I watch him watch that that Auburn game. I mean, it was 
it was grotesque how good he was against those Auburn players. I mean, I don't think any of those players are right with God after that game. Mm. I mean, that it's, it was, is this sorry? Panay soul, uh, you oh, know, yeah. the, the, what he did, what he did to Auburn was just awful. And, and I think, I think I look at a player like that. I look at him and I'm like, I do kind of wonder if he's got that Tony Baselli, uh, Anthony Munoz greatness in him. And, and that's what, it, that's what I think could happen. And so we're talking about, you know, can he move over to the right side or whatever? Maybe, maybe he can. I don't, I mean, I, frankly, I'm, I'd be shocked at things that he can't do, but, um, but why not keep him receiver? <laughs> well, yeah, well we need one. We need, I've we need a few. Austin. I've been yeah. trying to move Austin Jackson. I've got, I would be too. And I don't necessarily think I would move Austin Jackson to the right tackle position and then move Robert Hunt inside because I've been really intrigued by what Robert Hunt's mm. been putting out there at right tackle. And we Thank cannot you. assume, we cannot assume that he's just going to do, you know, do the same thing if he were to move inside and all of a sudden he's got it, you know, things happen a lot quicker when you're the more, the more inside you move, you know, is he prepared for that? And also, you know, would he, would he be doing the same thing against these big 300 pound tackles that he is against, uh, against these other guys? I think also, he's showing for Imagine the run game if you have Penny Sewell as a pulling yes. guard. Well, you know? well, imagine I, I think imagine the run game if you had Robert Hunt and Penny Sewell as your as your tackles. Uh, that's mm. that's the what what I imagine. And so I I'm thinking I'm wondering if Austin Jackson can move. I mean, because you had that quote, Simon. He's like, mm. I'll, I'll move wherever I played. I played all over the line, and I'll play wherever. If Austin Jackson were to move inside the left guard, and I. I am getting a little bit of buyer's remorse on Eric flowers, whether that's fair or not. Um, then I, you know, I wonder how good that would look. Cause you know, that we were talking about this uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think Alf mm -hmm. about Billy Turner, right. Yes. And we're talking about where, where's Billy Turner now? Well, now he's like all of a sudden a phenomenal right guard. Right. Yeah. Um, and for a while there, he was a phenomenal right tackle, but I guess their plan all along was at right guard and he's been really good at right. Guard. Yeah. I think I think that Austin Jackson, if there's anybody that he came out kind of reminded me of, it was actually Billy Turner. And um, and I think I, I wonder what that would look like, you know, as a left guard, you know, a guy that you could even pull. I mean, God forbid we have a guard that you can pull, um, you know, and, and he's very athletic that way. So I I would think about it. I would heavily, you know, really give some some significant thought to Penne Soul as, you know, that cornerstone protector of your franchise quarterback uh robert hunt on the other side of him at right tackle possibly moving austin jackson in the left guard and um and solomon kinley at right guard and and then you figure out quite frankly karis has done all right so i'm i might be willing to give him another year um but you can figure out the the center position over time you know uh, groom somebody um i wonder about that offensive line that would be that would be something yeah, and I think you gotta you gotta really erase the memory of this Raider game because Robert Hunt had a couple of reps that spooked Tuatunga Baaloa on on the bottom of his drop, got him off of his mark, and essentially blew up his entire timing. So you know it was it was a bad performance by that offensive line, even though you know they created some running lanes. Mm -hmm. You know, Miles Gaskin looked pretty good. So you know, I, I think it's time to talk about the Buffalo Bills and let's. Let's first of all, let's talk about how, you know, overall, how good that team is. Simon, we talked about it before the season, and we were unanimous. And I don't remember any time that all three of us were unanimous 
maybe on this team we have on, on a prospect we have on on occasion, but on another football team, all three of us said, yeah, they were going to be the runaway division winners, and I think we all picked 11, 12 wins for them. I know Chris I picked you. 10, right? I picked, yeah, I picked, I picked 10 wins. Yeah. So Simon, how good are these Buffalo bills when you've watched them this year? I guess Simon died. He just doesn't, he's, he prefers silence to admitting that Josh uh, Allen is actually a pretty good quarterback. (laughs) Simon, uh, where are you? No, he says he's been lost. He's been lost. uh, Oh, okay. All right. What happened there? I yes. thought I thought you preferred to be silent rather than admit that Josh Allen can play the quarterback position. No, sorry. All, all I heard was him go and Simon, and that was it. <laughs> okay. The question really. The question was, uh, how good are these Buffalo Bills? And I said that before the season, we were all unanimous that they were going to be the runaway division winner. Chris was the yeah. one who called it the closest. He had them with ten wins, but. Uh, Simon had him with 12 and I had him with 12. It looks like they're going to get there. Maybe, but how good are these Buffalo bills? Are they really a threat to win the super bowl this year? Simon, I think they a hundred percent are. I think they're a run game away from being the only team in the AFC that could go into arrowhead and really threaten the chiefs. I know that they lost to the chiefs earlier on in the season, but that game was played in a monsoon. I think they're a better team. I think the defense is playing better. I think Josh Allen is playing back to the level he was playing earlier in the season. Um, You know, he's made a few throws this season that have just been absolutely breathtakers. Uh, He made back to back to back throws against the 49ers a few weeks ago that just took my breath away. He made that touchdown to Stefan Diggs, which should have been the game winner in the Arizona game. That was an absolute all timer. Um, and to give him his credit for 75% of the season, I think he's been brilliant. There's still a few brain farts in there, but the work that's been done on him is a pretty much an outlier in terms of how he's changed his game. The thing that scares me about Buffalo is that they, they just can get no traction running the football. I think if they had a factor back, um, you know, um, I think there would be a real problem. Uh, teams are beginning to turn into shape. You saw the Green Bay Packers turn in one of the most complete performances of mm-hmm. the season by anybody last night to absolutely destroy the Titans. Yeah, and in my opinion, uh, Aaron Rodgers, I think, took oh. over the MVP discussion last night. I mean, kick the door down and they should give him the trophy now. Yes. I mean, he was flawless last night. Um, so I think the Bills are an absolute threat. I think the AFC title game will be Buffalo in Kansas City, and I would not be surprised to see if the Bills won it. And I think that Green Bay will host potentially the Buccaneers in the NFC Championship game. I just think Tampa is such a dangerous team. But yeah, I think the Bills are really good. They're really well coached. They've got such a really good... Sean McDermott's a superb coach. Um, Like I said, defense is rounding into form. Um, They're a dangerous, dangerous team. And, um, you know, weapons all over. I just worry about their lack of ability to run the football. Mm -hmm. Chris, how good are the Bills? Well, I... I I would worry about them because they have to prove that they can they can bring it in the playoffs, and you just can't assume that because uh, you know I know that teams can can look very good, but we've seen that time and time again about a team that is just very good in the regular season. They get to the playoffs and then they just you know they die, um, and we ha- until we see that I think that we have to wonder about it and you know, Hey, they went to the wild card round last year. They lost, um, to, you know, 
this was also a McDermott coach team, but they, you know, back in 2017, they went to the wild card round and, um, and they lost. So I think you, you got to see it. You got to see it. And, and we will, <laughs> we're going to have an opportunity because they're a very, very good football team. I think they're an excellent defensive team. I think that, you know, Josh Allen has been a little, not a little bit, a lot of bit unright. I, Honestly, I wonder if there was a more hated, you know, high first round pick quarterback, more universally picked apart and hated than Josh Allen. I know one. Um, that that turned out that turned out turned out, you know, turned out to be pretty good. Okay. Um yeah, we got to wait for mine in about 2 years. Okay. Uh, well, I I cannot I cannot remember a guy that was basically, you know, I remember some guys that were picked apart that were really unpopular. I remember Vince Young was unpopular with a, with a lot of people. And, you know, if you go back to Jamarcus Russell, a lot of people were kind of picked him apart. And um, there's there have been some quarterbacks that were that were pretty unpopular um, that that did go high. But I can't remember a guy that turned it around as much as Allen has. And um, and I think that that's kind of a story in, unto itself. But um, yeah, the, we got to see it in the playoffs, though. We got to see, you know, that's where Josh Allen has to prove his next step as a quarterback, and he hasn't proven that yet by any means. Yeah, and I'm I'm pretty much there with you. Um, I'm just curious, what does the Buffalo Bills B game look like? Thing is, <laughs> you know, we haven't seen much of it, right? It's always been their A game because Josh Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs they get on the same page, and if they get John Brown back, they're that much more dangerous. They find those tight ends. That offensive line is really, really good. So we really have only seen their A game, which is just a testament testament to that that coach. You, re- you realize we're cursing them for tonight, right? Because they play tonight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. So I'm just like wondering... we are we are absolutely jinxing them right now as we speak. Like this is I'm... jinxing them. They're yeah, because I'm wondering forty eight forty eight to nothing. Yeah, I'm wondering if they roll out their 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 B plus game if that's good enough against a good team in the playoffs. You know, that's that's all I wonder. And I wonder if, you know, Josh Allen has that hiccup, if it comes. And it can happen. It's happened before. It's, it's happened to great quarterbacks, okay? Tom Brady soiled himself last year against the Titans in the playoffs, okay? He was absolutely horrific in that game. So it happens. It happens to very, very good quarterbacks, you know? So I'm wondering how good are they? Can they overcome a B-minus, B-plus effort? Or do they have to be as they have been balls to the wall all, you know, all year, but yeah, they're absolutely, they're overwhelming when they're at their best. They're absolutely overwhelming. And yeah, they're the class, Uh, you know, and that's, that's who we're looking up to. That's who we have to overtake. That's what we got to build our team to beat because we've got to get some home games in the, in the playoffs in the coming years. Another thing we don't know, no, and nobody knows as of right now, if they're resting anybody, there's some people that, you know, kind of know the team, Say that if they win tonight, that they'll they'll start Matt Barkley on Sunday, which kind of bodes well. But we can't assume that, so let's just assume we're playing the Buffalo Bills, as you know, as presently constituted. Simon, what does the Dolphin win look like? What do they have to accomplish to win that game in Buffalo? We're expecting completely clear skies, no precipitation, high thirties, maybe low forties in weather. I think they have to uh, expect a Buffalo team that's looking forwards a week um, that's got its mind on the playoffs 
Uh, I think that could be the only way that the Dolphins win because I think they are a not as good a team. Um, and I think they will, str- you know, we, we do struggle against mobile quarterbacks generally. They're, those guys who have the ability to break contain and, and pick up third uh, first downs on, on, on crucial third downs, which is what Josh is really good at. Obviously, digs against Howard will be a fascinating battle, but but you'd have to hope that either they're resting players, which they might do, because obviously, even though they'll be the second seed, there's no week off for them, uh, and that they have one eye on that first round playoff game, um, which I think for, for me would be pretty much the only way that I think we can go into Buffalo and win. Um, I think we'll keep it tight, but I just think they're a better team. Um, and the, the the coaching advantage that we've had in, in a number of games this season where talent level has been pretty similar, but the, the grey areas, the small margins, the fine margins that B-Flow has, um, has dominated in, you know, I think you, you're you coming up against a really good coach in Sean McDermott. And um, yeah, to me, I think the Dolphins win if Buffalo are looking into the playoffs and, and take their eyes slightly off the ball. Chris, same question. Yeah, I, it's hard for me to separate actually the um, what I think is going to happen as, as far as resting starters and what they're going to do from a game plan standpoint, because you not only have to think about the fact that they're playing, they're going to turn around and they're, they got their seating for the most part um, secured or, and there's that, but there's also the fact that Miami very well could make the playoffs Um and they may face Miami in the playoffs. So, so this is a game that is meaningless for them on several levels. And so why are they going to, we're talking about like the coaching battle, you know, who's going to win the coaching battle? Are we, are our coaches going to outfox their coaches? Well, why would their coaches even try to outfox our coaches in this, in this game? You know, why would they even try to come up with something more, you know, more than just basic, like, Hey, let's see if we can just, you know, throw our uglies against your uglies and dominate the line of scrimmage and that sort of thing. Um, I don't know why they would do that because they're going to want to, you know, they may play their starters a little bit, but if they do, it's because they're going to want the dolphins who care about this game, who need this game to show their hand a little bit. And I think that the dolphins might be forced to, because they need the win so badly. Um, so they may, they may play Josh Allen and, and company for, you know, the first quarter or something like that, just to get the Miami dolphins to kind of show how they're going to defend the Buffalo bills differently than they did the first time around, because obviously the first time around was an embarrassment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so they may do that. They may try and get Miami to show their hand. Um, but I have no idea why the Buffalo Bills would bring anything more than, you know, almost like preseason vanilla to that mm-hmm. game. And so so it's hard for me to separate, you know, that knowing that not uh, from, you know, how do we win the game and and what is what does that win look like? I, I generally I just agree with Simon. They're going to be looking forward to the to the first round of the playoffs. I go back to that first game, and in that first game, Dolphins take a 20-17 to 17 lead in the fourth quarter, and they almost pick off uh, Josh Allen at his own five-yard line. Calvin Oil, you remember that? And it looked like we were beginning to take control of the game, and then all hell broke loose. Some of it has to be on Noah Benagonate getting worked by Stefan Diggs all game. 
But yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with you. Uh, I don't see why they would show much of their hand, especially since we could be facing them. But, you know, the, the weird thing is that if they don't show their hand and they're essentially handing us a win, mm-hmm. they're going to move us up to number five, which means we will play Tennessee very likely in the first round. So, this is also the first. This is for Flores. Is the it's the only team in his coaching career he's played more than once and still hasn't beaten. Yes. Uh, in fact, he's played the Bills three times and he's zero and three. So not only has he not won against them, but as a defensive coach, he's allowed the Bills to score thirty, no less than thirty-one points. So thirty-one, thirty-seven, and thirty-one. Mm-hmm. So you know that's kind of got to eat him as well. You know, and that defense has also allowed Allen to throw nine touchdowns in those three games and no picks. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a good stat from somebody called Imsaheet who messaged me earlier on on Twitter. So kudos to that. Um, give credit where it's due. Um, but yeah, um, this is, by the way, the Monday night game is just kicking off with between the Bills and the Patriots. This is the first game in Gillette Stadium history that has been essentially a pointless game, if that makes sense. Because... Um, I just saw an incredible stat. So it's been 7,309 days since the Patriots hosted a game while eliminated from playoff contention. That was against the Dolphins in on the 20, on Christmas Eve, 2000. Gillette Stadium opened in 2002. Mm. That is an astonishing statistic. Yeah. That is that is well. It's been a it's been a good run. <laughs> you know, it's been <laughs> it's been a long time, two decades worth, twenty years of dominance. It eventually had to come to an end, you know. Thank fuck. I, yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, Tom Brady kind of did some of that. Some of the opt-outs did the rest. And Cam Newton, you know, helped, you know, just finally push it over the, the edge. So, All right, it's time to, for me to go and eat Toblerone. Yes. So, what ha- so on the way out here, what happens on Sunday overall, okay? Do the Dolphins get in? Do they win? And do they get in? Simon. I think they lose and get in if Buffalo uh, play a full team. I think if the Dolphin, if Buffalo play their backups, I think the Dolphins win and get in. But I think ultimately the Dolphins get in because one of those teams, either Indy, Cleveland or, or Baltimore is going to lose anyway. I don't think all three will win. Um, I think so. Ultimately, I think a the Dolphins will get in the playoffs, and b I think they'll finish with the third overall pick in the draft, which would be pretty sensational stuff. <laughs> yes. All right, Chris. What happens? Do they get in? Do they win? Do they get in? They win. They get in. Um, and the reason I think that they, you know, the reason I'm fairly comfortable about this. <laughs> what happened? Sorry. Sorry, the Patriots just called a double pass. So Cam threw to Sony Michelle. Michelle threw it back to Cam. Cam threw it to Demir Bird, who was wide open at the goal line, and he dropped it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's wide open. Catch oh it at the six. Oh my god, that's terrible! Wow, it hits it. Oh, it hit James McKnight. It hits him in the face mask. Uh, James McKnight. <laughs> Oh, that it was, was a that helmet was catch. That was awful to bring up, James McKnight. Um, sorry, James. Sorry. Um, yeah, I think they win. They get in. Uh, reason I'm comfortable with it is because you know what what I what we talked about earlier in the show against the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, the Raiders were able to neutralize 
what is usually a coaching advantage i feel for us Mm -hmm. um and i do not i honestly do not feel that the buffalo bills will come in with a game plan to do that and uh because i don't see i don't think that they will see any point in that and so i don't think that um, it's not that they're going to come in like saying you know hey we're going to lose and stuff like that i'm just saying that they're going to hold some some of their best stuff in reserve um in case they play us in the playoffs uh, because this is a meaningless game so i think that without the threat of us showing up and and you know chan gailey who doesn't have any notes on on these guys apparently is you know came came with the wrong game plan um that's not going to happen that's not going to happen on either side of the ball and uh and so i think that the miami dolphins are just going to do what we know them are able to do uh which is which is to go out there and play really sound football and win the game and so um so i would pick them to win they've been winning by multiple scores most of the time uh, the Dolphins have. Um, so, you know, win by multiple scores. That's what I think. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think they'll ride the, this newfound ball control running game that, they, that they've that they built here over the last few weeks. And that'll be enough against the Buffalo Bills team that, that like you said, they're not going to be throwing everything at us. And they might even start Matt Barkley. I, I truly believe they might even do something like that and sit some players but I think ultimately Dolphins will win. They will get in, but it will be anticlimactic because I believe the Steelers will be when just as we're looking up at the scoreboard and we're high-fiving that we're going to get into the playoffs, we're going to look at the scoreboard also and see that the Steelers are absolutely smoking the Cleveland Browns and that we would have gotten in anyway. <laughs> but we're going to get a good seed for it, which means I think we'll play Tennessee in the first it's round. It's going to be the, Tann- the Tannehill Bowl is absolutely built to happen. Yes. So I, I do believe that that's what's going to happen. We're going to end up with the fifth seed and we'll play the Titans because the Titans are going to be all hands on deck, which is kind of great because they're going to play the Texans and they need that game to hold on to the fourth seed. So, Good. you know, the Titans are going to absolutely murder the Texans on Sunday. Yes. <laughs> okay. So I how many, that, how that's many good for us Derek, too. Derek Henry away from 2000. I don't know. I don't think he played all that great last night, so he might be too far. 95 last night, so he might be a little bit too far away. He's got... Uh, where are we? I have it up here. He's um, He's got 1,777 years. Yeah, he's too far away. Isn't he? too, he's too far 20, away. 223 to get there? Yeah. Yeah. Too that'd much. be... Yeah. Well, he's had that'd be a hell of a game next week. He's had... He's had two 215, he's had a 215 yarder and a 212 yarder this season. And that 212 yarder was against Houston. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, that's coming. 212 yards. So, you know, oh know. my God, you're right. Wow. Well, Simon, on the way out here, tell the people what they must do. I know it's the 31st. So, most people are going to be doing this anyway, but, you know, it's a must win on Sunday or kind of a must win, but an important yeah, Sunday. Mate. Tell them what they must do Saturday night. Or really, honestly, Wednesday night. Uh, shave your balls. I mean, <laughs> I would say that um, Brian Flores certainly doesn't use it because he has balls of steel, therefore he doesn't need to, um, as has been evidenced by some of his play calling uh, decisions, which have been pretty much on point. Um, but I would say that for the new year, you need to enter the new year with the shaven haven uh, because that will see you right, especially when the Dolphins win the playoffs. That's all I have to say on it. 
Yeah, use code, promo code 5RSN. 5RSN for 20% off. Absolutely. All right, that's it. There is no more. We will see you next year, actually. And hopefully we'll be talking about Dolphins and whoever in the playoffs. But see you then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.